the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome. Monday edition of The Ride Home. Good to be with you today. It's spring out. It's absolutely fabulous. I loved it. it? I, I, I can't get enough of it. Mm, me too. I'm so excited. I just want to walk around. I'm so excited. Uh, I, I just want to bring up quickly yeah, that yeah. the Pirates did sweep the Cincinnati Reds for the first time since 1963. <laughs> Before yeah. I tell you that they're currently losing 8 nothing to Chicago Cubs. Today, right now? Right now. It's 8 nothing. Oh, this is the Cubs. Ho- oh, it's oh. 10 nothing. I'm telling you, when I left my office, it was 8 nothing. <laughs> well, you know It's I- like... It's like 20 feet from here. It's good the Pirates have made the city of Chicago happy this afternoon. Because they're opening day. Right, All right, whatever. Let's Still talk bucks. about something else immediately. Right. Okay, good. Okay, so um, the casino. Remember when the casino came? How long have they been here? Six years? Six maybe? or seven years. There was a lot of... Remember how we were going to go over and see it? When yeah. it was coming in, we were like, we're going to go over and check it out, see what it's like. Walk I mean, around. I've never, I've never gambled, but no. I, I just want to go over and see what it's... We've, I've never walked inside. When I look at that building, that's the it's last so thing I want to do. Ugly. It's horrific. Yeah, it's this gigantic It's uglier blob. than Hinesfield. Oh, it's way ugly. It's probably the and ugliest. Hinesfield is pretty ugly. No, I would say it's uglier than the jail. Wow, that is ugly. And those are the two yeah, those okay. are the two ugliest buildings I believe in the city. Oh. Joker, Joker. Jo- that's not my thing. No, no. I don't get mm-hmm. it. Anyway, so there's this uh That's Mike. He's currently at the casino. <laughs> right. We're doing a remote this broadcast. Plastic cup full of nickels. It. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. He goes there every Monday. So Pennsylvania expanded their gaming laws. And with that, there has now been a rash of movement forward and money thrown around like drunken sailors on shore leaves by gigantic corporations. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to the state of Pennsylvania so they can secure gaming licenses mm-hmm. in far-flung corners of the state of Pennsylvania. Now, the the newest one and the oddest one, although I believe after reading uh, an article today by Andrew Maykuth in uh, today's Post-Gazette, it's pretty much a done deal that they are going to build a so-called mini-casino. I love this mini-casino thing because it makes you think like it's got a little tiny storefront. It's like a bodega. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, it's Meanwhile, probably half the size of Monroeville well, well, Mall. I, I'm glad you're asking me because uh, the mini-casino we're talking about in this article that's going up in um, in the eastern part of the state, right outside Lancaster County. 86,000 square feet. Mm, it's mini. It's a mini 86,000 square feet. It's going to cost $110 million. Holy smokes. So it's one of how many different casinos, mini casinos being built around the state of Pennsylvania? A lot of them. And, and one is going to go into the Westmoreland Mall. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because the... So generally, the, the the pattern has been that the developers of the casinos are using malls that have since fallen apart. Apart. Wow, I'm not sure what that means, but it's it really sounds second. problematic. I'm a little gaseous. I have to go. 
<laughs> I have to go to the casino. I'm falling apart. I'm falling apart. Yeah. I, I'm a, I gotta go gamble a little sad, bit. I got a little gas for you. I met at this the mini out. casino. It's a good thing it's not a bigger place. <laughs> this new gaming on we're talking about is at the Pennsylvania Turnpike exit just outside Chester County, and they're hoping to attract gamblers from Philadelphia's growing western suburbs in a township I have to say I've never heard of called Centervon. C A E R N A R V O N. Centervon. I'm not even sure how to say that. But, but you had family that, this part of the state. Yeah, I have family that live, that live right, I mean, like 20 minutes from here in Lancaster County. Yeah. Many residents in this, what, of course, is not a surprise, is a politically conservative area where it's not unusual to see Amish families driving horse-drawn carriages down Route 23 to shop at the Morgantown Walmart regard the casino project as a, quote, deal with the devil. Mm. Again, this is the same article John was talking about, Andrew Maycuth, in uh, the PG. They see the proposed casino as a threat, an insult to a deeply religious community that could lead to an increase in drinking, personal bankruptcy, broken families, and general moral decay. Right. Okay, so this is in a, like, a deeply conservative area. And so when something like this is happening that's going to set up the social apple cart, of course people are upset about this. Uh, now, my only uh, sort of um, hook to this is what happened here locally, right? There was a lot of consternation about gambling, about the casino. You've heard stories. I think everybody's heard stories about things that have not been the best at the casino. I mean, you know, it's you're looking at people here who are grabbing onto something, uh, you know, hopeful, some dream. But I wonder if there's been a rise in crime, prostitution, sex trafficking, all because that. Because those are all the things that are being touted as a supposed negative exactly, of the casinos coming by in. by the several hundred people that turned out for the standing room only hearing on March 4th, which was conducted by the Pennsylvania Gambling Control Board. So most of the speakers who came to this were opposed to it, and they cited all those things you're talking about. They said sex trafficking, predators that are going to be drawn to a casino, unspeakable acts that might spill over into a public swimming pool next to the proposed casino site, which prompted the chairman of the Township Board of Supervisors to say, now the kind of stuff they're bringing up is just crazy. Right. Well, of course he's going to say that. I mean, it's his invested interest to allow those casinos to come into the city, to come across the state of Pennsylvania. I mean, as I said, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars are just the basic licensing fees, let alone the tax revenue that will soon come with it. Yeah, this guy, the chairman of the Township Board of of Supervisors, said it's really a no-brainer if you're looking at what is in the best interest of our community based on facts. He said that Center Vaughn Township would get $1.6 million dollars annually in new tax revenue or about 62 percent of the town's current 2.6 million dollar budget interesting so i wonder what you know someone like rich fitzgerald or bill peduto or the chief of police for the city of pittsburgh would have to say about the casinos and its impact or not well i bet they're not going to say one negative thing about the casino publicly Probably not. They're right. not because that it's a done deal. Now they're part of the community. Now they're already in. So there, there'd be no interest for them in getting rid of it unless there was a gigantic uptick in the kinds of crimes that you're talking about, mm-hmm. which I have to be honest, I haven't heard anything about. However, the thing that is, it's just Pittsburgh is different. I mean, Pittsburgh is a conservative town. I don't mean politically. I just mean as far as as far as lifestyle and mores. Mm-hmm. And it's a conservative. Traditional. It, it's a traditional town. Lancaster. 
way more Holy traditional smokes. than here. Is it ever? And so the the question is, why didn't they conduct a public referendum on a proposal in a county that's so close to Lancaster County? I mean, it just seems like that would have been the smart thing to do. And of course, the reason they didn't is because they don't want to know. No, they don't want to know. The and Township Board of Supervisors does not want to know. Now, here's another thing. Um, they could ditch the supervisors that they have in a public election if they're so dissatisfied, but yeah. I read this at the end of the article. Two of the five supervisors who voted to allow the casino that to allow the casino in are running for re-election, unopposed. Unopposed. So there are. Right. So, so nobody wants to run. So the people who are looking for representation are going to have to be their own representation. They're going to have to run if they're dissatisfied with the leaders that they have. Holy smokes! All but right. it's going to be they, they want to build this in 2020. Yeah. So, the, you know, the architectural drawings, I'm sure, are already in place. Heck, I mean, the state's already uh, cast a check for $7 million for this site. So money's in the bank. So good luck stopping this if you were so inclined. Right. The other thing they're saying is, well, look, it's going to come somewhere to a township around us. So at least if we it, can control it, at least we can control it and we can get some of the revenue if it's in our township. Whereas if it's in our neighboring township, we'll get all of the negatives and we won't get any of the right. positive. Benefits. And apparently the casino's right off the turnpike exit, which would not affect the people in the farms, you know, outside of the area who are the most upset about it. So I don't know. There's I, a lot of different sides of, view, of the story. From my point of view, has the casino changed anything here in Pittsburgh? No, I, no. I mean, I, I have no connection to it. I never go. It doesn't do I, so. But you know, there's got to be a thousand stories of heartache I'm sure and there, people's I'm bankruptcies, sure, and you I'm know, sure you know, I hear that a lot, right? You know, gambling addicts running wild, of course, draining their savings or their families or whatnot. So, anyway, that's uh, what's happening uh, about gambling in the state of Pennsylvania. Hey, we got a big show for you today. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back. We're going to go to the White House as we always do with Greg Cluxton. Uh, there's been big changes today in the administration and in the cabinet, so stay tuned for that. Greg Cluxton always gives us an inside look at the nation's capital. 101.5 WORD. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, Word FM goes with you. That's because we're no longer trapped inside a radio. We're now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. We're ubiquitous. There's an app for that, right? On TuneIn, on iHeart, on our own app, on WordFM.com, on ChristianRadio.com, on the next Radio FM chip. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. On your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 101. 1.5 WORD. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you've got five to 100 employees, would you listen up? The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, more administrative duties, more liability than ever. And your health plan's a big part of the cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in network. Isn't it time for a change? So stop the insanity. Call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept. And reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30%. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help you today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial. Find them online. MarleyFG.com. Creation Fest 2019 is coming. Join us with your family and friends for a weekend of worship like no other. Over 70 artists like Skillet, Hillsong Worship, Crowder, Elevation Worship, 10th Avenue North, Mendisa, Carrie Joe, and Ledger. 
as well as over 15 speakers like Bob Lins, Reggie Dabbs, and David Nasser. Part of the creation worship experience set in the beautiful mountains of central Pennsylvania. Next summer for four days of music, camping, and family fun. Creation Festival is returning to Agape Farm in central Pennsylvania. June 26th through the 29th. Go to creationfest.com to find out more. That's creationfest.com. It will be the highlight of your summer, maybe even your life. This is David Jeremiah, and I hope you will join me this week for a special event in your city. Attend the Overcomer Tour this Thursday at the Giant Center, where you will experience a night of dynamic worship, edifying fellowship, and life-changing teaching with David Jeremiah. Request your free tickets to this one-night-only event in Hershey at davidjeremiah.org tour. start every week by going to the White House. Greg Clugston from SRN News joins us, where Greg is the White House correspondent. Hey, Greg, again, uh, another busy day in the nation's capital. Boy, John, you're right. Hi, John, Kathy. It's, uh, it's, another, it's another Monday. It's another staff shakeup at the White House. No yeah. kidding. So DHS Secretary Kirsten Nielsen has resigned. Let's talk about her first. Yeah, so this happened yesterday. The president uh, spent most of the day at his uh, golf club in northern Virginia, came back from golfing, and uh, met with uh, Kirsten Nielsen, the Secretary of Homeland Security. And uh, at the end of that meeting, she was, had turned in her resignation, and um, this, this, was the, this was the end of, uh, you know, she's leaving Wednesday, will be her last day on the job. But, you know, for months there had been reported clashes between Nielsen and the president, and uh, he had publicly criticized her at times as well. Um, she was brought over. Um, she 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 assumed the the job after John Kelly, who was the very first Homeland Security uh, Department secretary for the Trump administration, after he moved to the White House to become the president's chief of staff. And so he was a big time defender of Nielsen. Uh, they had worked together. Uh, then after John Kelly left the White House last year, late last year. There was there are a lot of questions about how long Nielsen would last, and she's now out. So, are we any, really going to remember her in you know with with photographs of kids in cages? That's the allegations we're hearing online today. Well, I know this whole uh, family separation uh, issue, as well as uh, those who are um, you know being um, you know held in detention centers essentially uh, while they are being processed at the at the border. This is. Um, this is part of the reason why there has been frustration uh, within the administration over over the immigration issue. The president uh, lately, in particular, has been really ramped up about uh, the crisis at the border, and there and there are problems at the border. Let's not ignore them. Um, but uh, there was there there's been reporting as to whether or not Nielsen was completely comfortable with uh, carrying out some of the policies and directives of what the president wanted to do. He's talked about shutting down the border. And, um, and and that simply hasn't happened yet. He's, he has since made some other ideas as to why that shouldn't happen right now. But uh, there's been uh, some indication that she was pushing back along with others inside the White House that uh, shutting down the border was not the way to go right now. I see. Okay, so then on the heels of, um, of that, uh, Secretary Nielsen resigning, then the uh, head of the Secret Service resigns, uh, Tex Ailes. 
Yeah, so he is the uh, the Secret Service director, and it was just announced um, in a White House statement late this afternoon that uh, he is being replaced by a career Secret Service agency official, James Murray. And the Secret Service um, you know, division falls within the Homeland Security Department, and there was also another Homeland Security-related personnel decision last Friday. The president withdrew the name of the nominee that he had put forward to lead ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, he was saying on Friday when he announced that his ICE nominee was no longer going to be in the running that he wanted to move in a tougher direction. And, uh, well, we didn't know exactly on Friday what he meant, but uh, there have been now these three changes within the Homeland Security personnel staff of his, of his administration. I see. So, Greg, from your perspective, being in D.C. for as long as you've been with different, different administrations, is this chaos or is this business as usual? Well, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, people who serve in any administration serve at the pleasure of the president, and the president has the right to make these kinds of staff decisions and changes as he sees fit. We have seen a pattern during the Trump administration of, of, of some of these changes kind of coming in clusters, mm-hmm. where it, there will be several days in a row where there will be, um, you know, new announcements made about personnel changes. And it seems like, you know, it's the firing squad in a sense. You know, everybody's getting let go and what's happening. The other thing that's very interesting about um, the president as he's now in the beginning of his third year in office is that he has a number of key cabinet and other administration officials who are serving in an acting capacity who have not been, in many cases, if they are cabinet jobs, they have not been confirmed by the Senate. You have the acting director of the Interior Department, the Pentagon, his own White House chief of staff is serving in an acting capacity. And these replacements at these other Homeland Security um, jobs are also going to be acting officials. And the president last Friday, as he was leaving leaving town to go to the, uh, the, to the Mexican border with, uh, in California, was asked about that. And he said he likes having acting directors because it gives him more flexibility. Um, which is a very interesting perspective when you look at uh, what what's happening with all these changes. So he wants to keep it like The Apprentice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, less I oversight. Mean, people, people, people are, are are drawing those connections and those conclusions based on on how he's gone. So, but but John, you know, to the crux of your question about you know, is this normal? Um, you know, for a lot of reasons, um, we've we've seen a departure from what has been normal policy or at least procedure. Um, with past administrations, especially when it comes to the president announcing on Twitter that so-and-so is no longer working in the administration. Um, Even just the way the announcement comes is not uh, typical to what we have seen in previous administrations. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, one last question before we leave this subject. What does this mean, Greg, for um, for the blame game? Is this the kind of thing that, you know, these people have been fired? And so the um, unstated implication is that we're getting rid of the people who've mismanaged it this badly up to this point. Well, certainly the president uh, is unhappy with, for example, you know, the the influx of migrants and and families coming across the southern border. And it's pretty clear that he essentially held um, Kirsten Nielsen responsible for not, you know, tamping down that problem. It's been an ongoing problem, and it's the kind of uh, issue of immigration that we see sort of run in cycles. We'll see it hit, you know, rise to a peak level, and then it'll level off, and in some cases even decline. 
um, and we're seeing a, a more of a surge of that in recent days. In terms of who's ultimately responsible, obviously the president feels like he, to a, a, to a degree, he himself is responsible because this has been his primary um, his primary issue as a candidate. He ran on building a wall and um, and being tough on immigration. And the building the wall aspect, even though he claims that, you know, there's been a lot of progress in that area, it's been slower going than he certainly anticipated. And so as he's gearing up for his own run in 2020 for reelection, he is wanting to uh, to make sure that, you know, he's doing all that he can to, you know, let people know, especially his supporters, those who voted for him on this security issue, this, this border issue, that he's been able to deliver in some way. And if uh, he's got people on staff that he thinks aren't helping him achieve that goal, they're not going to be around very much longer. SRN News White House correspondent Greg Clugston is with us. So, Greg, let's move from uh, the walls of the White House to an international perspective. President Trump uh, has designated Iran's Revolutionary Guard as a terrorist group. It is the, the first time the United States has named a part of another nation's government at that threat level. Tell us about this. Yeah, so we had the announcement come in a couple of uh, forms earlier today. You had a speech by the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, and he um, was echoing what the, the president also said in a written White House statement. But you're exactly right, John. This is the first time the U.S. has basically said part of a foreign government is acting as a terrorist organization. And there is an official designation within you know, U.S. law in terms of uh, designating a foreign terrorist organization. So the, the, uh, the Iran Revolutionary Guard Corps... Uh, the IRGC has been slapped now with this label. Really, you know, the reason behind it is the administration is trying to do all it can to, um, you know, really turn the screws and, and put the pressure on Iran as they put more pressure both economically and politically on the regime there, which, uh, you know, they, they say is, is essentially bad news, not when it comes to being a, a potential nuclear threat, but also for essentially it's, its widespread support of terrorism throughout the Middle East region and other parts of the world as well. I see. So the Pentagon officials, CIA officials, they cautioned against this, but the president has gone his own way, is, is the case often with uh, the way he sees the world. Yeah, there has been some, I don't know if pushback is the right word, but some concern expressed about, you know, what this may mean for U.S. military personnel and other Americans who are uh, who are positioned in the Middle East region and other parts around the globe, whether or not there could be some sort of retaliatory effort. Um, there have been threats already ongoing, the administration argues, by the Iranians um, against American forces and other American interests anyway. Um, so, um, but that, but that is a, a legitimate concern by CIA officials and military officials who who fear that there could be some sort of you know reprimand um, you know from the Iranians uh, when when because they're not happy about that and uh, they're not happy about you know the potential for there being other um, you know allegations brought against them in in sort of a prosecutorial manner because this would then give more teeth for going after individuals uh, for um, war crimes and that sort of thing across the world. It's our weekly conversation with Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. Okay, Greg, it sounds like at the little dinner you guys all have in the press, uh, the president's not going to come again this year, or is he? 
Yeah, as of last Friday, he said he's not planning on attending. So that would be the third year in a row that he is skipping the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Um, there had been some indication. He had even said in an interview a few weeks ago, maybe it's been a few months ago now, he, he put out the possibility that he was entertaining the idea of maybe attending this year. Um, but that apparently is not going to be happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first, is it the last weekend in April, I think it is, uh, is the dinner. So it's coming up in just a few weeks' time here in Washington. Uh, he announced, though, that, and this is what he's done in each of the last two years as well, he's following his pattern, uh, he's going to hold a political rally on the night of the White House Correspondents' Dinner. So he's going to offer some counter-programming. And he says it's going to be a big rally. He hasn't announced uh, what location that's going to take place. Mm-hmm. But um, it, that's essentially – and you know, that's not really a surprise. He's not had a good relationship with the media. He continues you know, to uh, you know, complain about fake news. And so for him to actually go to a dinner where you know, uh, you know, journalism is celebrated and he's sort of rubbing shoulders with members of the White House press corps and others – um, that's probably not a good look for his supporters right. uh, who agree with a lot of his criticism of the of the press. Yes, uh, Greg, have you had an opportunity to attend the uh, the dinner? I have. Um, I've gone a number of times over the years. I haven't gone uh, in the last two or three years, uh, but I've I've been uh, at the dinner many times uh, over a course of several administrations. Mm-hmm. All right, Greg. So we've talked about politics enough. I think that we need to um, get to the real story of the day. Okay. Now, it's a, sad, it's a sad moment for Greg Clugston because uh, your team, uh, Michigan State, who you stood by so valiantly, um, yeah. has fallen. And, um, you know, it's hard for us to offer sympathies because of your absolute <laughs> dominance decimation of our pool here at the ride home. We did do a pool. We did do a pool. And uh, not only did Greg win, but Greg just he, – he, he was merciless in his, in his domination over mm-hmm. the rest of us. I should have just stayed in bed. You really should have. Seriously. Mike was right not to even be involved. Uh, but anyway, Greg, congratulations on winning the pool. But we, we do extend our, uh, our sympathies to you. Well, thank you. I was hoping my Spartans could make it to the title game mm-hmm. tonight, but yeah. uh, they ran up against Texas Tech, who I I didn't know a lot about them, but Me man, neither. they've got they've got an incredible defense, and they shut down Michigan State like they had done a lot of other opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, although the, the only the only positive thing I can take away from from the Michigan State losses, they didn't lose in such heartbreaking fashion right. as Auburn did. Oh, I know. Golly, right. that was a punch in the gut. Oh, it sure was. Now, Greg, I know that your team has lost. Do you, do you have any sense of recompense knowing how you just crushed us here on uh, the ride home? Uh, not really. Oh, not really. Um, that that can't make I'm, up I'm for gonna, that. I'm going to go easy. I'm going to go easy here. Mm-hmm. I'm just afraid that uh, this was my first and only invitation. Yeah, well, it might be. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, oh, no it might He's, be. What? what well, are you but, uh, listen, I run the thing. Oh. <laughs> He shows up every week. He's yeah, fabulous. You're right. All right. Okay. Thank All right, you, Greg. Greg. Well, yes. thank you so much, and congratulations yeah. on, your, the game on your dominance. Are you going to watch the game Of course I'll watch the game. Yeah, and Greg, too? Yeah, I'll tune in, although um, you know my, my my plans are freer tonight than they would have been had Michigan State won. But, yeah, right. I'll, I'll, right. I'm a little curious to see what happens. Okay. Right. okay. Well, All right. Listen, always a pleasure, Greg. Thanks for being with us. A lot of fun, guys. Thanks. Always good. Greg Clugston, SRN News, White House correspondent, March Madness extraordinary. He just crushed us. Completely oh. crushed us. He more than doubled my, my yeah. score. Yeah. All right. That's the world and basketball in a nutshell.
At Middletown Tractor, you belong where there's an easier way to do chores. They have affordable John Deere mowers, compact and farm tractors, and Gator utility vehicles for any size property. So make your main factor Middletown Tractor. Learn more at MiddletownTractor.com. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. This is David Jeremiah, and I hope you will join me this week for a special event in your city. Attend the Overcomer Tour this Thursday at the Giant Center, where you will experience a night of dynamic worship, edifying fellowship, and life-changing teaching with David Jeremiah. Request your free tickets to this one-night-only event in Hershey at davidjeremiah.org tour. This is the Entertainment Answer. What does actor Zach Galifianakis say are some powerful themes in his new film, Missing Link? Friendship, seeing the world is a really big theme to get out of your comfort zone and to, to open your eyes to other ways of how people live. I think this is a really, really great kids movie and it might be, could go down kind of as a classic to me. And I'm not saying that because of minute, I'm saying because of Chris's work. Missing Link, rated PG in theaters April 12th. For this Entertainment Answer, I'm Matt Mungle. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, and even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. We'll have a shower and thunderstorm in the area this evening. Otherwise, tonight will be mostly cloudy. It will be 53. Breezy and a bit cooler tomorrow. Morning clouds will break for sunshine. High 65. Chillier tomorrow night. Partly cloudy with a low of 38. More noticeably cooler Wednesday. Partly sunny with a high of 55. Then warmer again Thursday. Partly sunny and pleasant with a high of 70. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Frank Strait on 101.5 Word FM. The Pens are back in the playoffs. Okay, just. What do you mean just? Come on. That's we, not just. Columbus was just. Well, we... No, no, no. We were in third place. We, it feels like as though, you know, after they loss on Saturday night, it's like, it makes me... What is aren't wrong you with anxious? John? What is wrong with John? I'll tell you one. What? It, I'll tell you. It's one word. The Pirates. Yeah, exactly. What do you say? That's I, what's wrong with John. I think he's become so... Because the Pirates are losing 10 nothing in the top of the fifth yes. right now to the hated Chicago Cubs, yeah. John is just... He, he's he's negative about everything. I'm not yeah. being negative. You yes, are. I'm you not said, being negative. Not that That's a pens, negative. It's not that the Pens just made the playoffs. They're in third place. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, though, John, 
Uh, that was a horrible game the other night. It was, and a lot of uh, a Worse. lot of people agree with you when it comes to the Peng- Penguins. They're not picking them to the, to go to the Stanley Cup. I know they're no, in, of course they're not. the ninth. Yeah, they're ninth. the ninth most likely team according yes. to the odds. Out of how to many? Go, well, I don't how know. many teams are playing in the Stanley Cup? I actually don't know. Uh, that can't be too high. I mean, how many? Twelve teams? Fourteen teams? What? Not twelve. It's got to be more than twelve. You think? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. I don't know. It might be twelve teams. 14 teams. Maybe that. Mike's going to look it up. All right. But okay, but I've, 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 ninth is not great. No. Ninth, Who cares ninth what they say, great. though? Those nays, whatever. Eight, I know there's eight teams that make it in the conference. Okay. It was a 16. 16. So, yeah. All right. So, Nine ninth. out of 16. So, kind of Midland. What do they know? They don't what know. Do they know? Okay. But let's talk. They're going to start to play the Islanders on Wednesday night. First game is in New York. Um, how do you feel about the series? I think we should. I think we should I think weigh we'll in right now. Okay. And I say um, I'm going first because I'm because you because I'm, I'm charging in. Um, I'm going to say the Pens take it in six games. Six. No, I say Pens in seven. Okay, you're on seven. I yep. say Pens in six. Okay. okay. All right. All right, it'd be, I would be nice pens and four. Oh, I just want you to know you so sure I'm going. You got that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, the good news is the big screen is back for Pens playoff oh, games good. at home. But Have you been gonna, there? I've never done that. It's a lot of fun. It's going to be in a different location this year. Where? Where? Mm-hmm. Why? Fans wishing to watch Mario's TV. This is an article by Jason Mackey in the PG. They should find the arena parking lot at the corner of Center Avenue and Logan. Center Avenue and, and Logan. Logan. Where, where is Which that? Which is, I'm trying to figure out where Logan is in my mind. Why are they changing the uh, destination there? It doesn't say. Previously, the big screen was at Fifth and Washington Place. Mm-hmm. So it's a party. It's been yeah. overcrowded. Has it? Yes. So the, it, there just wasn't enough oh, space. They need some more space. Okay. You've been I there for the big screen? Oh yeah, it's a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, true. Sure I would is. like to do that. Well, yeah, why don't you make a point of it? Well, I'm gonna. I mean, geez, John, just give me a minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not being negative here. I'm just... All of a sudden, he wants to take over my social calendar. <laughs> well, let's go. You've had opportunities in the past. It's not like this is the first time in the playoffs. In addition to the big screen, there'll be local bands performing outside. Oh, no. Fans can test their skills there at interactive is. games known as the Pens Combine. Mm-hmm. Uh, face painting will continue to be face offered painting. at no charge. Why is there always face painting? John, negative again. <laughs> <laughs> also returning for the playoffs are gold outs. The Pens are going to distribute gold T-shirts and towels oh, to like all that. fans in attendance. Oh, that's I great. Like that. oh, and no, have positive. you picked off? Have you picked off? No. Have you picked up your free playoff Penn's yard sign at Dick's? No, no I'm not. I need that. Yes. So they. So if you can go to any Dick's Sporting Goods, you can pick it Is up. Is it one per customer or one per person? Because we need well, one here in the studio. How many homes do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I could go or Mike could go. We could all, you know, we'd get, pick up four of them. Are they free? Or yeah, they're free. Something? Yeah, they're free. No, well, no, they're free. Good. At Dick's. Yeah. Okay, go Dick's. Let's go. Local yes. Dicks. It would be nice if, like, you could pick mine up. <laughs> I mean, not to be negative right, or anything, saying. you know. Just, that's all. All right, let's go, Pence. All right, okay. okay. What's um, next? The Bucks are still losing ten nothing in uh, mm-hmm. at Wrigley Field. Okay. In Wrigley Field, by okay. Wrigley Field. All right. Next, uh, how single women help new moms make it through? That's straight ahead. It's the ride home with John and Kathy in the most positive vein that I can offer on a Monday afternoon. 1.5 WORD This is so awesome 
That could be you when your family wins a summer getaway to beautiful Colorado Springs with an Adventures in Odyssey VIP experience with an exclusive behind-the-scenes VIP tour at Focus on the Family, airfare, hotel, and transportation included. And just for entering, you'll receive a free downloadable PDF of Wooten's Wacky Word Games and activities for hours of fun. Enter today for the Adventures in Odyssey VIP experience getaway. Go to wordfm.com slash adventure. It's where the Sahara meets the Nile and the Mediterranean Sea. Only here exist the perfect conditions for growing the finest cotton in the world. I'm John Hall. Nowhere else can you find cotton so luxuriously soft and light, yet super strong and able to hold deep, vibrant colors, wash after wash. It's this very cotton Mike Lindell has used to create my pillows, Giza Dreams bedsheets. Try them once, and you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. And right now, get a special 30% off MyPillow Dream Sheets with free shipping. Use promo code WORD when you call 800-391-0954 or place your order at MyPillow.com. 60-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800-391-0954 or visit MyPillow.com and be sure to use promo code WORD for 30% off plus free shipping. Sweet dreams from my pillow. Hi, it's me, Marsha, at the Springhouse. Did you know Easter's springing up on us? And quickly, too. Do you know what that means at the Springhouse? Well, first of all, it means you can enjoy the freshest, tastiest fried or baked cod every Friday night on the farm. It also means it's time to call and order your Springhouse Easter goodies. Our hickory-smoked hams are extra special. We use only real hickory wood from the farm to slowly smoke these old-fashioned treats to perfection. Order a whole or half, and we'll send along cooking instructions, too. Mmm, how about Springhouse scalloped potatoes and homemade applesauce to go without ham? Finish off your meal with a from-scratch Springhouse coconut cream pie or custard pie or a chocolate log cake. Oh, and you can even decorate your table with our adorable bunny breads and eat them, too. Easter also means our annual Springhouse Easter egg hunt and Palm Sunday feast. Check us out at springhousemarket.com for all the details. Celebrate this most joyous holiday at the Springhouse in 84, Pennsylvania. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. This is David Jeremiah, and I hope you will join me this week for a special event in your city. Attend the Overcomer Tour this Thursday at the Giant Center, where you will experience a night of dynamic worship, edifying fellowship, and life-changing teaching with David Jeremiah. Request your free tickets to this one-night-only event in Hershey at davidjeremiah.org tour. Hey, welcome back. How single women help new moms make it through. Beyonce is helping it out. Mike, Mike is saying to us right now, I said, uh, you know, I wouldn't know Beyonce if I saw her at the... Uh, yes, you I would not. I would not. I would not. I'm telling you, I, I know the name, but you know, to put a face to the name, I, got, I don't have a clue. I don't. 
All right. But if I walked by her, I wouldn't know who she was. Mike said, This is oh, why I'm here to help you. The cultural sweep? I, who cares about these celebrities? I just, I can't believe you would not recognize her. I would her. not know. And, and Mike knows her. Mike knows her. He said he'd I don't nod. Know her. You wouldn't recognize Beyonce if she was re- at the elevator. I would recognize her. Would you I, recognize Jay Z? Yes. Yes. yes definitely. See, the, they are it's just. a man's world. They're concepts in my mind, or they are names. You were in, at a basketball game with Jay Z last oh, year. Oh, well, was, he was across the court. No, there was just like a few months ago, as a matter of fact. Which I liked because he waved to the crowd. <laughs> of which you were one of 13,000. <laughs> <laughs> He's waving to me. We've got Courtney Ellis with us, pastor, speaker, and author of Uncluttered. Free your space, free your schedule, free your soul. Courtney, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Courtney, you wrote about single ladies. One of the things that we haven't thought about much, I guess, on this show or talked about much um, are the ways that single women can interact with a church body in particular you've written about helping people who do have kids i did i think often the church in the church we talk about how we need to do singles ministry better which is true Uh, we're not always good at caring for the singles in our midst and offering hospitality but that's only one angle to this story another angle is the many many gifts that singles have to offer the married folks within the church Hmm. So if we're looking at single women, you're saying that perhaps it's not just designing programs to help them not be single anymore, but to actually give them a valid ministry as they currently are. Right. One of the women I spoke with for this article was a missionary over in Europe, and she said one of the things they do in the church in Europe is they really integrate singles into the church. So they they hang out with married folks, they hang out with families, and she said she just has experienced such a richness of her faith serving overseas versus in America, where we often segregate singles into singles ministry groups. So they're only with other singles. So if we don't, I mean, that, I think that's one of the one of the dangers of ministry in general is that we tend to segregate people. You know, we tend to set up small groups. You know, all people who have all empty nesters go to the same small group, right? All young parents go to the same group. All singles go to the same group. Well, that makes sense. Right. But does yeah. it make sense? Yeah, it does because there's a commonality there. So you're sharing experience. Yeah, but the thing you're missing out on is talking to people who are different than you. Yeah, but if you're a young mom, you need some help, right? So right. They've, they've been there, they've done that, they've the experience. Yeah, what do you think about that, Courtney? Yeah, that's one piece of it is we need that voice who says, you know, that they, your kids won't tease forever. Like, go get past this. Mm-hmm. And I know from experience. But we also need that voice that that sees us as a whole person. And single folks are really great at seeing new moms, not just as moms, but Mm -hmm. as women, as people, as this collection of experiences and desires and loves. And um, sometimes new moms begin to lose their identity into motherhood and they feel like they are just a mom. And single friends can be really good at calling out the, hey, like we used to love to go to movies together or we used to love to go jogging. We can still do that. I'm still here for you. That's good. I mean, I appreciate it because, you know, I mean, I'm not a single or a mom, but I do remember when my kids, when my friends had kids, they disappeared on me. And I was like, wait a second, don't let your friends disappear. So I kind of had to go after them to reestablish the ties for the friendship. So I, I see why that bridge is necessary. Right. Absolutely. And I think one of the myths that's out there is that single people have more time. Uh, and they don't. They have the same amount of time that any of us married folks, any of us parents have. But what they have is usually their time is more flexible. So they're not on a nap schedule or they're not on a school schedule with little kids. And so they, they can offer a flexibility of time that often can be a great gift to those who are married and pinned down with young kids. All right. Let me tell you the um, the thing that concerns me, though, um, about this idea. It, 
uh, about singles helping out, you know, moms who are married is that I, sometimes I think that we tend to look at single people as what they can do for us in a church. Now, I probably say that because I have a friend who's a single woman and she spent some time a couple summers ago doing some church shopping. She had decided she wanted to leave her church community and she wasn't sure where she wanted to go. So she went to maybe, I don't know, eight or nine churches over over a summer period. And she said the one thing that connected all of them is when, you know, she met people at the church and she said, you know, oh, hi, you know, are you married? Do you have kids? And she said, no, I'm not married. I don't have kids. And they, the, the instant response was, oh, great, because you can help us out in Sunday school or you can help out our youth group. Right. So it was kind of like, oh, thank goodness that here's someone who's single because we could really use you. Right. And anytime we look at any group of people with a, you can fill this need that we have, that's potentially problematic, right? And so we have to be really, really careful about that. Um, and I had a single friend say, thank you for not just saying we can babysit, right? Like our right. is that we can babysit. Um, so we have to look at singles holistically like we would look at any other group. And that means that they have needs that we need to serve, uh, but that they also have gifts that they can offer us. And so seeing them not as they can give us X, but seeing them as holistic people mm-hmm. um, is, is a really important piece of this. Right. Oh, and I, I, and I, yeah, seeing them ahead. as people who have needs and not just can meet our needs. Yeah, isn't that hard? I think that in any life stage, we tend to be narcissistic and we tend to want, you know, there to be people who are going to help us out, you know, whether we're, you know, trying to get through college or we're trying to, you know, survive having little kids or we're trying to figure out what to do with our high school kid, you know, whatever it is, we tend to kind of want the church to be programming so that we can do the best thing for us. I think we could really right. use a little dose of how can our family reach out and minister to the other groups in the church. Yeah, absolutely. Often we get really myopic because our our season of life is particularly challenging, and that can be true. You know, I'm in a season with young kids, and it is particularly challenging, Uh, but being single is challenging, too. And one of the women I interviewed for this article said that she's found a really deep affection and kinship with with her married friends who are not able to have children, that they both have this similar longing, single her as a single woman longing to be married and knowing that that's a good gift, but God hasn't given it for whatever reason yet. And her married friend who's longing for a baby and that's a good gift, but God hasn't given it yet. And how they've been able to meet each other in that deep place. They're not longing for the same thing, uh, but they have a similar longing and they've been able to minister to each other in that way. Right. So, so none of this, uh, is this true? None of this happens organically, right? I mean, and I think for the most part, unless you go to, unless you, unless you're part of a large mega church, there really aren't a lot of single ministries, especially in smaller congregations. So there has to be some sort of intentionality, whether it's single woman to married mom or single guy to, you know, a married guy. It's got to be something that you sort of have to go after and craft yourself. Absolutely. And and most of the women I talked to for this article said that what meant the most to them was when people would take time to get to know them, whether they were Mm -hmm. single or married or parents or not. You know, one said the church just gave everyone banana bread when they were new members. And she's like, I'm allergic to bananas. Like, I don't want banana bread. But if, <laughs> if you knew me, you would know that I love pumpkin bread, right? I so see. even those tiny little things of can be a ministry of just noticing a need and listening to what's really going on with someone. Um, that's, that's how the church starts, really. That's how ministry begins. Wow. Okay. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for being with us and helping us to kind of see this in a different light. Yes. 
Courtney Ellis. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, pleasure. How single women help new moms make it through. Courtney Ellis. That's in uh, online Christianity Today. Take a break. Come back. We got lots more ahead. Uh, stick around, would you please? Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Spring is prime home buying season. So if you're thinking about buying a home, right now is the time to lock a low rate, which can save you money every month on your new mortgage. With our exclusive Rate Shield approval, the low rate you lock today is protected for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. With a Rate Shield approval, if rates go up, your low rate stays locked. But if rates go down, you get that new, even lower rate. Either way, you win. Talk to us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to take advantage. Here's another great reason to work with us. For a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Again, to lock in today's low mortgage interest rate and get the security of our exclusive rate shield approval, call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us at extremetruck.net. As parents, you're dedicated to seeing your kids live out God's call for their lives, to enter adulthood with discernment, integrity, biblical values, and the ability to thrive in work that's meaningful, to not only make wise and faithful decisions, but defend them as well. At Cornerstone Prep in West Mifflin, pre-K through 12th grade students thrive in an environment that fosters biblical discipleship and authentic education. Cornerstone Prep, ready for life at cornerstoneprep.net. Introducing the new $5 Biggie Bag from Wendy's. It comes with a new bacon double stack made with a quarter pound of fresh, never frozen beef and topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon, plus four nuggets, fries, and a drink all for just five bucks. That's right, just $5. The new $5 Biggie Bag from Wendy's is everything you could ever want. Well, at least for lunch. Try Wendy's new $5 Biggie Bag today. Biggie Bag includes four-piece nuggets, small fries, and a small drink. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Approximate weight before cooking. Price and participation may vary in Alaska and Hawaii. I don't want to be insensitive in bringing up this story. Well, that's an but there, way to there, start a But there is part of it which I it kind of seems like this is what you get when you... Oh no! See this. I know this story, this and I've heard this story, I, I, it, and I don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not a good story in any way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. No. Um, a man entered a uh, Kruger National Park in South Africa uh, with four others. Mm-hmm. Now, it wasn't just any man because um, this whole group has been 
being in, uh, has been under investigation for being alleged poachers. He's part of a group of people? Right. He's part of a group of people. So there were five of them together, oh. and they were looking, apparently, according to the other, the other four people, they were hoping to target rhinos, according to a Park Service statement. But as they were doing and this is illegal because these particular rhinoceroses are endangered. Um, forget what. Oh, it's an. Okay, it's the African rhino. It's targeted for its horn because of the belief among some who practice Eastern medicine that the horn has benefits as an aphrodisiac, right. making it more valuable than cocaine in parts of the world. So it makes its way to China, basically. Right, exactly. So, or Thailand or mm-hmm. Singapore or wherever right, it's right, going. Right. Of special concern is the black rhino, which is considered critically endangered after its population tumbled from about 65,000 in 1970 to only 2,000 oh in 1995, according what? to Kruger National Park. So conservation efforts thankfully, have boosted their numbers. And the world's remaining 5,000, that's all that is left, 5,000 or so black rhinos live predominantly in South Africa, Namibia, Kenya, and Zimbabwe. That's That's really sad. So anyway, so going back to the story about the five poachers, the five alleged poachers who went in to target rhinos, apparently an elephant suddenly attacked one of the alleged poachers, killing him. Now, the four accomplices that were remaining, they claim to have carried his body to the road so that passersby could find it in the morning, but they took off. Hmm. Okay, the four of them took off. they were guilty of poaching. I guess they were, sure, right? So they just here. left their friend's body there? Right. Anyway, uh, the family was notified of the death late Tuesday by the fellow poachers, and a search party set out to recover the body. Um, rangers scoured on foot. Police flew over the area, but because of the failing light, the body could not be found. The search resumed Thursday morning, and with the help of added field rangers, the police discovered that the body had been consumed by lions. Mm. Okay, That's rough. Yeah. So now the... the um, People who work at Kruger National Park, in fact, Glenn Phillips is the managing executive, and he said entering Kruger National Park illegally and on foot is not wise. Mm -hmm. It holds many dangers, and this incident is evidence of that. It's very sad to see the daughters of the deceased mourning the loss of their father and worse still only being able to recover very little of his remains. Mm -hmm. I feel like Glenn Phillips, the managing executive of Kruger National Park, spoke well. Yes, he did. I think he spoke well, saying that he was very sad for the family. And yet at the same time, there is a larger story here which says, look. This These is- are rare and beautiful animals yes. that they should be able to live, especially within the confines of the safety of the, the range. Exactly. But at the same time, and, and again, to make this guy out, you know, the, the, the poacher who was killed by the rhino and then eaten by the lions as some evil thing – that's not a true narrative as well, because essentially the, these people are they're, they're living in deep poverty. Mm-hmm. And they, well, we, we I mean, some poachers are not de- in de- some are a lot most. of poacher. Most poachers, you write, who get into poaching are living in deep poverty. Right. So this is a means right. to make a living. Right. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the, the stream is the the rarity of those in Southeast Asia who want. I mean, what? This is like some magic potion that the tusk right, right. has the ivy that somehow ground down is going to cure whatever X, right? Which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how you stop that 
I mean, well, they're they're trying to stop it, obviously, with the, with the passing of legislation, which makes it a crime to hunt these animals, which is what's going on and why those four guys took off right. is because they didn't want to be associated some with jail it. Time or some, something serious. It's a sad story. And of course, it made the rounds this weekend. People piled on and said, well, you know, that's karmic justice. If you, if you would believe in such a thing, of course. That's, but, you know, that was the narrative this weekend. Ha, ha, ha. You got what was coming to you. Okay. Well, speaking of Ha ha, and good thing you didn't get what was coming for you. Scientists caught a female python in the Florida Everglades over the weekend that was more than 17 feet long, weighed 140 pounds, and contained, are you ready, 73 developing eggs. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Have you seen the photograph of this? Yes, I have. The largest python ever removed from Big Cypress National Preserve in uh, west of Miami in South Florida. I mean, There is a photograph of four researchers holding this snake. It is so enormous. enormous, It would blow your mind. I mean, I love animals, but I just can't. Well, you know why you know why snake. pythons are in the Everglades hmm. because of people, yeah, right? Because people had pets Flush that they didn't them. want and put them in there. Right? Can you imagine? Oh my gosh! I mean, it is absolutely astounding. A hundred and forty. This snake weighs twenty pounds more than I do. Oh my goodness! Gracious. Holy smokes! Take a break. Come back. Uh, we're going to talk about the nuns, the rise of the nuns, N O N E S, in America. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Actress Felicity Huffman has agreed to a guilty plea in that sweeping college admissions cheating scam. Huffman and 12 other prominent parents will reportedly admit to charges in the scheme. Huffman was accused of paying a consultant, Rick Singer, $15,000 disguised as a charitable donation to boost her child's SAT score. Authorities say the actress also discussed a similar plan for a younger daughter, but deterred. Authorities say the cheating scheme involved rigged standardized test scores and bribes to coaches at prestigious schools. George Bonzani reporting. A mixed day on Wall Street as the Dow was down by 84 points to close at 26,341, but the Nasdaq rose by 62. The S&P 500 advanced by three. Oil up a dollar thirty-two to sixty-four forty a barrel on the New York Mercantile Exchange. This is SRN News. You watch what you eat. You're hitting the gym. You're doing your best to live a healthy life. But did you know that a bad night's sleep and a bad mattress can have a big impact on your health? Here at the Original Mattress Factory, our hand-built mattresses made of the highest quality materials provide the comfort and support needed to provide healthy sleep for years to come. To learn more about how the right mattress can help you achieve healthy sleep habits, visit OriginalMattress.com or stop by an Original Mattress Factory store near you. The gimmicks, the flashy sales, and the big markups. Mattress stores have made the mattress shopping experience confusing on purpose. Ron Trzinski started the Original Mattress Factory to create a better way. He raised the bar on quality, offered hand-built mattresses for a fraction of the cost, and ditched the high-pressure sales tactics, all to create a better mattress buying experience for you. You could say he was the original disruptor. Stop by an Original Mattress Factory store or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. 
It's a hand-in-hand design process. It's a partnership between me and the customer. We're building their dream. With Energy Swing's Total Basement Finishing System, you can finally create that extra space you've always dreamed of. Here's Zach Fontecchio. A lot of contractors, they get hung up on certain designs, and they try to make the peg fit in the hole every time. Or I'm very flexible. I can do whatever you need to get done. You're completely building the basement of your dreams. Every aspect of it is under the customer's control. Most of the customers I go to that have had other quotes, they come in, they tell them how it's going to be, and they give them a price, and they leave. It's like a half an hour experience. I spend like three hours with the customer. I actually do a 3D design so they can see what it looks like before work begins. All the materials we use are specifically designed for basements, so they're inorganic. They can't mold, they can't rot, they can't mildew, they don't retain water, and it's designed to be maintenance-free. There's nothing to paint, there's nothing to patch, there's no carpet to replace. We've done all kinds of spaces so I can make the basement of your dreams. There's really nothing to hold you down. Right now, get $2,000 off your total basement finishing project and a free 50-inch TV. Learn more at energyswingwindows.com. A career isn't one-size-fits-all. Find a career that's uniquely you at Presbyterian Senior Care Network, where team members thrive while serving older adults. Now hiring for all positions across the network. Apply now at careers at srcare.org. That's careers, A-T, srcare.org. Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. The market goes up and the market goes down. But one thing remains the same. Record low unemployment means there are still more job openings than people to fill them. And that means you have leverage. They're vying for your attention at WordFM's virtual job fair. Visit WordFM.com slash virtual for great local companies ready to offer you an employment upgrade. Isn't it time you got a raise? The virtual job fair, where many are called, but you are chosen at WordFM.com virtual We'll have a shower and thunderstorm in the area this evening. Otherwise, tonight will be mostly cloudy. Low will be 53. Breezy and a bit cooler tomorrow. Morning clouds will break for sunshine. High 65. Chillier tomorrow night. Partly cloudy with a low of 38. More noticeably cooler Wednesday. Partly sunny with a high of 55. Then warmer again Thursday. Partly sunny and pleasant with a high of 70. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Frank Streit on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Greetings. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming along. The Monday edition. Here it is uh, just about almost five minutes past the five o'clock hour. People driving home. Monday's cruel. Is it not? It is cruel. I, funny you should bring that up. It is. Because I was thinking of its cruelty. Yes. When you have a busy weekend, well, isn't it discouraging when Monday comes? Because you think, wait a minute. I, what I about needed that, some time. What about that rest thing that I was looking for? And then. Right. I've got a list. I, I You know, generally people, I get like two things off my list this weekend. I know. So, and you have a big list. Yeah. I know. And of course, as springtime comes, mm-hmm. it's more and more and more. So mm-hmm. you never really. It just is. It's, it is a cruel, cruel. My brother uh, is uh, semi-retired. He's uh, six years older than me. My brother's got the perfect schedule. He works Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Wouldn't that be <laughs> nice? Yeah. 
He's a CFO. He goes in, looks yeah, at the books, sees some a lot numbers. Of CFOs probably work Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, Thursday. Got the numbers there. You know. So he calls me. He always calls me like a Monday and uh-huh. Friday, like at four thirty in the afternoon. Right, like we're not doing anything. Right. Then. I'm like, I, I, I called you, man, at four thirty. What was going on? Why didn't you return my call? Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's out in the golf course somewhere. Right. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Hey, how about this? Uh, saw this last week from the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail, of course, is a, a, a UK newspaper. Uh, their headline reads this: uh, Is America becoming godless because the number of people who have no religion? has risen, get this, 266%, one-third of the population in three decades. Oh, my gosh. Yep. The number of Americans who identify as having no religion has risen 266% since 1991 to now tie, statistically, the number of Catholics and evangelicals. People with no religion, known as nuns among statisticians, N-O-N-E-S. account for 23.1% of the United States population. While Catholics make up 23%, evangelicals account for 22.5%, according to the General Social Survey. Those three groups now re- represent the largest religious groups in America. The survey tracked a broad swath of, a swath of Americans since 1972, offering comprehensive insights into the evolving face of religion. Um, it just goes on. The theory is that this is um, the religious right kind of cleaved moderate Christianity. And a lot of moderate Christians who were moderately attached to their faith said they don't want to defend evangelical Christianity and, you know, people who are anti-abortion or supposedly anti-gay. So they said, you know what? I'm out of religion totally. I don't buy that. I don't either. Right? But that's one of the theories. People who were on the fringes, maybe the people who showed up at Christmas and Easter, Mm -hmm. Catholic or... Not on show up at Christmas and Easter anymore. Right, right, exactly. Here's the thing, though. Couldn't you just as easily... I mean, this is all guesswork because that wasn't included in the survey as to why you became a nun. Exactly. They were just taking raw data. Right. This is all conjecture. But the other thing I would say, and I have seen this in other surveys, not this particular one, um, that there is dissatisfaction that mainline denominations, which are markedly in decline, mm-hmm, yes. have not expressed a fidelity to traditional orthodoxy. And so therefore they have lost the confidence of the people that used to go to their churches. Right. So because they have become more like the culture, more accepting of whatever is going and whatever would be advocated by general American culture, people are saying, well, if the church is going to be the same as any other organization, What's why should point? I go? Right, right. So uh, again, from the uh, the Daily Mail article, the big question they say is, is what is in next? What's next in terms of what religion is going to look like in America? Apparently, secularization theory, secularization theory argues that as countries become more industrialized and prosperous, then throwing off of religion becomes more normalized. All right. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a theory. Now, now, I I think that there could be some validity to that theory. I I read oh, a yeah. I read a study on atheism five or six years ago that was fascinating because it showed that there are, that most atheists, and by most, I mean, it was something staggering, like 91% of atheists live in urban centers, that the more removed you are from the land or from nature, the more likely to be atheistic you are. And the reverse is that the more 
you are associated with the natural world, the less atheistic you are. No kidding. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Because yeah. you can see mm-hmm. the glory of God's creation all or, around you. And you can see the utter dependency mm-hmm. of the human condition, the especially if you're if you make your uh, your livelihood through farming. You see how the weather cycles affect you and how insects and hurricanes and tornadoes and et cetera. And so you feel a sense of needing something way beyond you. Interesting. So, But you would think, you know, and, and I'm sure this is not true, but as we become more urbanized and more complex society-wise, socially, that the chaos and anxiety mm-hmm. and fear right. and the constant drumbeat of all that from the mainstream media would make you humble yourself I'm to sure try to that, find the savior. I'm sure for some pe- from some people that is the case. It just that the study that I read it was so shocking about it. just the number. It, it wasn't saying that 92 percent of people in urban centers are atheists. They were saying that not, that 92 percent of atheists live in urban centers. I see. Like, to me. Uh, and I don't know if you grew up with this. I mean, I grew up a long time ago, you know, as a kid with buddies who did not attend a- any worship right, at all. so did I. And that breaks your heart, mm-hmm. you know? I mean... It does. I mean, look, if you're if you're talking about a, a three-decade decline of 200 and what, 66%? Yes, since 1991. I mean, we can only blame us for that. B- blame who? The church, Christians, you're saying? yeah. I mean... There, something has not. I'm not saying I don't know if I'm looking for blame, but well, I, I do know I think... it's an uphill battle because the 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 drumbeat of media is so pervasive mm-hmm. that all of a sudden believers have become the boogeyman amongst us that we're we're responsible for the, all yeah, the but, ills in this country and the world. But don't you think that we have made the Christian life look less and less attractive? Of course, because by... we are so deeply yes. as flawed as human beings, yes. it wouldn't matter. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah, mean. Right, yeah. So okay. I think. I don't want to. I don't want to place the all the blame on the Christian Church, but I. I think it's important to say to take stock and say, all right. So, how is it that we interact with the Christian world? Just before the show today, the three of us were talking about how, in the Christian community, it is discouraging for me how um, how we often feel like we cannot quote unquote compete compete in the cultural marketplace of ideas yeah. that we somehow have to retreat into some kind of as you call it a christian cul-de-sac so that we can just support each other's businesses and kind of just be this tiny little christian community instead of being an actual force for good but, and for exchange but we already in, the, are. in the cultural marketplace but of ideas here's the problem i, I look at did this did i use is that, that term twice yes did. you did but you know when you term. look at the work that believers do in this world whether it's Taking care, you know, look, even in your own local church, all the different ministries that happen there that reach out into the community. Very few believers are out there beating the drum going, yeah, we're doing this. Aren't we something special? The work that's done within the church, by and large, is done anonymously and under the radar. And then the problem is when the coconuts among us, I'll raise my hand as well, when there's chaos and insanity and And all the morality problems, that is targeted by the mainstream yeah, media. So then right. that's amplified. So it's out of proportion. The good that's done is buried. The hideous stuff that's done is pushed out. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think, I, think that, I think that's certainly part of it. But don't you think that there's also a part where we withdraw and we tend to 
only we tend to think that we have to work. We, we Christians have to stick together. And I don't mean that we have to support each other. Of course, we have to support each other. But I just mean as far as getting involved, making our opinions known um, in a way that is that is is winsome in a way that isn't legalistic in a way that isn't, Oh my gosh, look at that Christian over there in a way that, well, doesn't that person speak well, or doesn't that person offer something special to our community? I feel like we're spending a lot of our time with other Christians instead of being out with people who don't yet believe and showing that the Christian life is, is dynamic and exciting because we're in communion with the creator of the universe. What could be more exciting than I just feel like we tend to act like a group that's under siege instead of trying to assert ourselves, not in a way that is proud, but in a way that is, as I said, I can't think of a better word than winsome. I get all that. And I agree with all that as well. However, I think that the, for me, the bottom line is as a believer, you can't be invested or care so much about what the daily you know, news in the U.K. has done or Slate or Vox or whatever about their perceptions of us. You just do the best you can do mm-hmm. and follow the Lord and Savior of the universe and go about your business. Because, I mean, I, I did not become a believer to be part of a, a PR network, but <laughs> kind of here we are. You know, so you and I essentially and New Mike – we're the face in many ways of media in Pittsburgh. Take it as it will. I mean, though some people go thumbs up. You guys are doing fine. Other people kind of go, oh my gosh, you guys are Christians. You're the vo- you're the face, the voice of Christianity on the radio. Now, of course, there's you know television. Of course, there's m- movies, all that. But it's all part of the mix. But it doesn't dissuade me in my following of Christ and no, trying to be I'm a better saying, man. Well, okay, but say you go to I don't know. Say you go to call an electrician. I know many people in Pittsburgh who are believers who are going to look for a Christian electrician. I think that's crazy. I think that's crazy. That's what I mean about the Christian cul-de-sac. Yeah, sure. No. How about meet an electrician who you don't know? Maybe the electrician has never been to church. Maybe that thinks thinks Christians are crazy. Whatever. Perhaps you could develop a relationship with that person over time. And that's the way that we don't stay in a little tiny group. We we interact. We're in a holy huddle. Right, holy exactly. Huddle. Holy huddle. But I, look, I, I really hate that. But do, I mean, I don't want to go to the guy who advertises himself as the Christian electrician. A lot of people do. Well, that's that's trouble. Because that's what I, I'm saying. Who, what, um, um, the cross is hanging on this guy? That's what I mean. That's trouble. I don't know. It's an uphill battle. And I really just can't look at what the media says about us and invest in that and go, oh, no, we're right. in trouble here. But i, I got to be honest with you. Going back to the article you read, the Daily Mail article, yeah. a portion of that just makes me mad. Because they say that, you know, they're trying to come up with reasons why the decline in, yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah. faith in America is as it is. And they say, well, it's because that, you know, the the evangelical right has become too – or that or theologically – does it say politicized? Yes. Well, they, they mention Jerry Falwell and they go, I don't agree with Jerry Falwell. Well, you know, yeah. uh, you know, Jerry Falwell. Jerry Falwell is not the cause of the decline of Christianity in America. <laughs> right, right. I mean, again, Let's not give him too much that's, credit. That's a misunderstanding right. of uh, – but, but because he is – prominent right. in media circles. Well, it's easy to point a when finger. We, we talked about that how many times, that the more we link ourselves to a political party, the the more dilute the Christian faith becomes yes. because it's 
it, it is a belief in something so much bigger than <laughs> any party. Uh, yeah. Any party. You think? So I think that's valid. But at the same time, the assertion that somehow we've become like too theologically conservative is crazy. Or the mainline denominations would be ones that were sur- that are surging. And that's absolutely not the case. It's the reverse. I agree. Okay. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, come back in a few minutes. We're gonna, oh, we're going to talk about diversity. Talk about something that's got a bad name. It's time to reclaim it, says Rebecca McLaughlin from Cambridge University. She's up. Word FM. Next time on Orchard Hill Today. It is not your job, it is not my job to make things work together for good. I like to do that, but that's really not my job. That's God's role. This week, Rick Iglesias, Life Stage Pastor and Director of Ministries at Orchard Hill, considers the lessons to be learned from the parables of Jesus as he looks at the parable of the yeast and the parable of the mustard seed. Be sure to join us weekday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Orchard Hill Today on 101.5 Word FM. If you're an employer or a business owner, if you've got 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, more administrative duties, more liability than ever. And your health plan's a big part of the cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in-network. Isn't it time for a change? Stop the insanity. Call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30%. It doesn't matter when your renewal is, Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. That's Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com. It's where the Sahara meets the Nile and the Mediterranean Sea. Only here exist the perfect conditions for growing the finest cotton in the world. I'm John Hall. Nowhere else can you find cotton so luxuriously soft and light, yet super strong and able to hold deep, vibrant colors, wash after wash. It's this very cotton Mike Lindell has used to create my pillows, Giza Dreams bedsheets. Try them once, and you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. And right now, get a special 30% off MyPillow Dream Sheets with free shipping. Use promo code WORD when you call 800-391-0954 or place your order at MyPillow.com. 60-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800-391-0954 or visit MyPillow.com and be sure to use promo code WORD for 30% off plus free shipping. Sweet dreams from my pillow. Share, like, comment, tweet. Are these foreign terms to your business? They may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Say the word diversity. And depending upon who you are, what generation you were raised in, all those things that are combined, it it can be, what, 
a dirty word. It can be a word that is politicized. Well, diversity has been a calling card of the left in America, I would say. A calling card of the left. All right, Rebecca McLaughlin is with us. Rebecca is a regular guest on our show. Rebecca holds a PhD from Cambridge University, a theology degree from Oak Hill Seminary in London. She's a regular writer for the Gospel Coalition. Her first book, Confronting Christianity, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion, will release later this month. Rebecca, thanks for being with us to talk about diversity. Thanks, John and Kathy. I'm thrilled to be back. So do you agree with me? Do you think that the word diversity has become a calling card of the left? I think that summarizes at least an important aspect of how people hear that word today. So when we hear the word and we we do the association and we say, okay, well, that's something that, you know, people who lean left politically do, and this is the kind of thing that's going to mean, I don't know, it's going to mean affirmative action. It's going to mean certain hiring practices. It's going to, you know, uh, tend to favor those who are in minority groups, um, that sort of thing. You're looking at diversity, though, from a little bit of a different angle. Yeah, so one of the fun things about being an immigrant in America, like me, is that I, I get to see things with maybe a different political lens or, or a slightly less politicized lens. And so the eyes I come with on this question um, are surely informed by my own kind of cultural background, but uh, a little bit different perhaps from somebody who'd grown up in this country. And when I hear the word diversity, um, and as I've looked at the scriptures and kind of looked around me at, at the global church, what I hear is a core Christian ethic that we Christians, whether we lean left or right politically, need to lean into and reclaim. Yes. So diversity, as a, from a Christian perspective, it doesn't matter if you're from Syria or Seattle. If you know the gospel of Jesus and you're in love with Jesus, it's an equal opportunity gatherer, right? Yeah, and even more so, I would say that Christianity was from the first fiercely multi-ethnic and multicultural, and that Jesus actually both himself broke across every possible racial and cultural boundary of his day and place, and then commanded his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. And we get this incredible vision in the book of Revelation in chapter 7 of people from every tribe and tongue and nation and language worshipping Jesus. And I don't know about about you guys or your listeners, but I have so much fun um, on a Sunday morning at, at our church because... I'm up here in um, Cambridge in, in Massachusetts, and we have the advantage of people coming from all over the world to this this region, um, often for academic study, um, sometimes for other reasons. And so this past Sunday, I was sitting between a friend who um, comes from Nigeria and a friend who comes from uh, Uganda. Um, after the service, I got to see a friend who'd immigrated here from China. Wow. Um, the previous Sunday, I'd been sat next to a, a lady from Nepal and her daughter, and I'd got to pass my baby son. I didn't know this lady at all, but we were you know, next to each other, worshipping together. Um, and she and my little baby son, he's eight months old, were holding hands during the singing. And I thought, oh, I really, I kind of want to give my baby to her to hold during the song. And she said, oh, do you mind if I take your baby? And even though we, we only just about spoke the lang- same language, to be honest, we were able to worship Jesus together, and it gave me the thrill of experiencing just a tiny taste of what that reality will be like when Jesus brings heaven and earth back together, and we are worshiping him with people from every tribe and tongue and nation and language. Well, that's a great image. So, Rebecca, what about the early church? I mean, it was a, a diverse group. I mean, we were. I was just reading um, 
over the weekend with my husband and daughter the story of Jesus being approached by the Pharisees about do mm-hmm. we tape pay taxes to Caesar. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and the commentary that we were reading talking about the fact that the Pharisees were trying to set Jesus up to take a political stand, to take a yeah, political yeah. stand, you know, the the uh, the believers who followed him who were loyal to Herod and the believers who weren't. And if he would yeah. take a side, then he was going to alienate one group over the other group. We were laughing mm-hmm. about how that sounds exactly like America today, right? So it's, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's people were always trying to get an edge and people were always looking at things differently trying to attach religion to a thing. But those early Christians are just were, were a diverse group, not just as far as how they looked, but ideologically. Yeah, so I think the struggle we sometimes have as we read the New Testament is that the racial and cultural barriers of Jesus's particular time and culture were different than us. So when we hear the, the phrase, the, the Good Samaritan, or even the word Samaritan, we immediately think good. We think somebody has sort of morally elevated, you know, great moral example, we don't think a hated racial and cultural group from, you know, our perspective. But to Jesus's Jewish audience, the Samaritans were a hated racial and religious group. So for us, it could be, I don't know, the parable of the, the depending on where you are, it could be the parable of the good black Muslim, if you were sort of in a certain, um, you know, majority white part of this, this country, for instance, or if you were in um, Palestine, it could be the parable of the good Israelite. Or if you, you know, you, you could cut it across almost any potential racial, religious, cultural boundary. Um, but we don't, we don't hear the offence of Jesus's story because we don't know who the Samaritans are in in the eyes of his. his. And I, I think you see this pattern through Jesus's ministry and then into um, the mission of the early church of very uncomfortably cutting across all sorts of ethnic boundaries. Uh, I love the fact that we meet the first African Christian in the book of Acts, mm-hmm. uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, who is a highly educated man reading his own um, copy of, or apparently his own scroll of Isaiah, uh, and inviting Philip to come and sit with him and explain it to him. So we have you know, the first African Christian that we know of in the very earliest documentation of, of the early church and then I love the fact that, you know, this guy goes back to Ethiopia. We don't know who he's told, but we do know that Ethiopia um, became one of the first officially Christian states in the world, you know, well before St. Patrick ever went to Ireland and a thousand years before Christianity came to America, Ethiopia was a Christian country. So we have this sort of odd idea that Christianity is, you know, should be associated with kind of white Western culture. Right, right. When in fact, it's, it's always been multicultural, multi-ethnic. Yes. And today, if you look at the distribution of Christians throughout the world, it is essentially evenly distributed and more so than any other worldview. Yes. Rebecca McLaughlin is with us. Rebecca is a regular guest on our show. So, Rebecca, that that scene that you, um, you painted at your church yesterday... That's an unusual scene. You, you go to, I, I would imagine, perhaps a, a university church. We've attended that as well uh, at various times in our lives, where there is a mix of people coming in from all four corners of the world, and you're all together. I mean, it's a wonderful thing, but that's certainly not the norm, right? So you can't help who is in your environment to some extent. I mean, yes. we, we, we can't force people to immigrate from Nepal to where we happen to live in rural Indiana, I, just to pick a random place. Yeah. Um, however, I think wherever we are, 
we need to be noticing the, the boundaries and pushing through them. So our, our church is, is not, it's um, close to several universities and we, we absolutely have university students and professors in our congregation. But we also have a, a massive um, socioeconomic range. So last night I was able to speak about my book at um, the evening service at our church and the congregation was a mix of homeless people um, for whom we have a, a, a Sunday evening dinner and university professors and lawyers and students and people who um, you know, are in everyday jobs sort of struggling to get by, including people who are working in private equity. So the, the diversity of the Christian movement should be something that's visible wherever we are. And even if we don't have racial boundaries to cut across, we may have socio- we almost certainly will have socioeconomic boundaries yes. to cut across. And if we start to notice people who are different from us and Jesus' call on each of us to reach out across those boundaries, we can enjoy and experience that diversity pretty much wherever we are. Rebecca McLaughlin is with us. She holds a PhD from Cambridge University, a theology degree from Oak Hill Seminary in London. And uh, we're talking about diversity. And Rebecca, we've talked about racial diversity, um, the diversity of nations, but let's talk about gender diversity. I mean, anyone reading the Gospels or the New Testament uh, letters, uh, there are so many women who are church leaders and certainly women who were early followers of Jesus, and in fact, the ones that Jesus showed himself to first after his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so people sometimes think of Christianity as a, a religion sort of centered around male privilege, mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to use a, a current term. And actually, as you say, Kathy, we see the, the magnetic appeal that Jesus had to women, uh, both in the Gospels and in, in Acts and the Epistles, and uh, a detail that I love, um, a kind of cultural detail at the time, well, it's kind of sad, actually, but the Greco-Roman world at the, the time was, in fact, majority male due to a mixture of uh, death and childbirth and selective infanticide of baby girls. So some estimates say that it was even perhaps two-thirds male, the, the world into which Christianity was birthed. The, the early church seems to have been two-thirds female, Wow. So there's a big pool of women relative to men. And if you look at the history of the church and if you look at today, Christianity has pretty much always been a majority female movement. Hmm. So I like to say that far from being a center of misogyny, Christianity is the greatest mm-hmm. movement of and for women in all of history. Because Jesus actually radically changed how people even thought about women's status and, and value. Um, with respect to men. And we, we take a lot of that for granted these days. So then what you're saying is we, we run contrary to the popular narrative of that Christianity is reserved specifically for white men. Oh, yeah. It was the funny thing. I mean, not funny, kind of sad for, for the white men. White men are basically the only secularizing demographic at the moment. Hmm. So um, atheism in America is significantly overrepresented by white men. Um, and it's basically, I, I see atheism as the religion of white men and communist regimes. <laughs> Two kind of people. <laughs> wow. Boy, that, boy, that's something yeah. to recommend them, isn't it? Woo-hoo. Yeah, well, indeed. Um, and, but as you say, Christianity uh, is the religion of women and significantly of immigrants. So I think sometimes um, Christians in America can worry that immigration is eroding America's Christian heritage. In fact, immigration is a much needed blood transfusion for the American church. Uh, you can see that, particularly evangelical churches in the, 
the city adjacent to mine, um, Somerville in, in Massachusetts, English is the third most commonly spoken language at evangelical churches after Portuguese and Creole. Wow. So, so if, if anybody, any Christian in America wants to be part of reclaiming America's Christian identity, actually immigration is the, the best thing we've got going for us and not immigration of people like me, white um, people from Western Europe. We're, we're actually the least helpful folks on that front. <laughs> um, you want immigrants from, from Africa and from South America and from increasingly from China, actually, which is progressively seems to be becoming an increasingly Christian country. Yes, and certainly they are out there by the millions and millions. Yeah, I mean, many people uh, think that by 2030 there'll be more Christians in China than America, Mm -hmm. and some experts think that by 2060 it could be a majority Christian country. Excellent. And so diversity is still a cornerstone of what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Rebecca McLaughlin is with us. Her brand new book is called Confronting Christianity, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion. We'll release uh, later this month. Uh, what, What is the release date, Rebecca? It's officially the 30th of April, I believe, for the hardback, though it seems that Amazon's offering the Kindle from the 15th of April. Very nice. Well, we'll keep an eye out for it. Congratulations on that. That's going to be a proud feeling. We'll take a break. Come back. We've got lots more ahead. Stick around. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy. Uh, what? Oh, don't miss. The Poem of the Day, National Poetry Month in April here. Following statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Amber in trials tested mild to moderate symptoms. Testimonial is based on 90 days of use. Results may vary. Nielsen, U.S. XAOC, 52 weeks, dollar sales. Hi, I'm Mary Lou Retton, and I want to talk to you about something I haven't liked to talk about until now, my menopause. All my life, I've had energy, energy to win gold in 84. But when menopause hit me with the hot flashes and night sweats, I began to feel sluggish every day. That all changed when I discovered Amberin. Amberin safely relieves 12 menopause symptoms by helping to restore your hormonal balance. Amberin is 100% drug-free and estrogen-free. Amberin is America's number one menopause relief supplement in dollar sales. Thanks to Amberin, my fear of hot flashes is gone. My sheets aren't soaked every night, and my energy is back. Give Amarin a try and see what it can do for you. It works. It really works. Hurry to your Walmart, Walgreens, Target, and other fine retailers nationwide and get Amberin today. Word FM presents the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference, Thursday, May 2nd at 7.30 p.m. through Friday, May 3rd. Join Pastor John Guest and an expert panel of prayer warriors from RPTS, Geneva College, the Biblical Counseling Institute, Impact Christian Church, and more as we explore and grow in this vital gift and privilege to the church, featuring seven general and two breakout sessions. The Pittsburgh Prayer Conference, May 2nd and 3rd at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets and details at wordfm.com slash prayer. This Easter, celebrate the life of Christ as you break bread with family and friends and leave the cooking to Bistro to Go on the North Side with simply delicious gourmet creations sure to make your event memorable. Like brown sugar baked ham with pineapple sauce, maple glazed turkey with gravy, bistro pecan sweet potato casserole, whole chocolate mousse cake, and so much more for intimate gatherings to grand events. All reasonably priced for pickup and ready to serve. Order now at bistroandcompany.com. I was just up at Grove City College last night. I had to return my daughter. Um, and <laughs> To the campus. <laughs> yeah, I not, return not you. Not to the store where I bought her. <laughs> I've had it. Uh, so I drove up there. My husband and I both did. And um, 
We dropped her off, and it was a beautiful night. It was the first warm night this year that I have been out. Lovely. Anyway, I was walking around the quad up there. And, you know, John, you and I in the air, we've talked about Grove City a lot, and we've talked about the wonderful diversity of thought, uh, uh, you know, the encouraging perspective of the professors, the wonderful community of students who are from all different places all over the country, um, and the way that we feel like our kids are being well-prepared for life being there. But one thing we've never talked about, and I thought of it last night when I was there, and I just soaked it in. It's such a beautiful place. Is it ever? It is such a beautiful campus. And as I was sitting there, I thought, you know, I've never shared with our listeners just how much I appreciate the aesthetic of being at Grove City. Yep. Now, both you and I have, uh, we attended urban campuses. Yes, we did. Right? So the yep. smell of the bus fumes, <laughs> the rush of the crowd. Yep. You take your life into your own hands sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, going to visit Grove City, being a student at Grove City College, you are surrounded mm-hmm. by the bounty, the beauty of nature. It just makes the education all the sweeter. For information about you and your child, gcc.edu, Grove City College. We'll have a shower and thunderstorm in the area this evening. Otherwise, tonight will be mostly cloudy. Low will be 53. Breezy and a bit cooler tomorrow. Morning clouds will break for sunshine. High 65. Chillier tomorrow night. Partly cloudy with a low of 38. More noticeably cooler Wednesday. Partly sunny with a high of 55. Then warmer again Thursday. Partly sunny and pleasant with a high of 70. I'm Acu Weather Meteorologist Frank Strait on 101.5 Word FM. Well, if you were holding your breath to hear the poem of the day... We're just going to delay it a little bit. Hold it just a little bit longer because uh, here's the deal. Gentlemen, put down the razors because just when you thought the... um, the lumberjack, what do they call it? Lumber sexual phase right. was over, right? They call it Moran phase. Yes. It seems that beards are now more attractive than ever. A new study has proven that men with beards are more attractive to women than those who are clean Come shaven on. or who have light stubble. No, According wait. to a study All published right. in the now, here. wait a minute. This, I think wait. this is a little self-serving. No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, because you're, you're like sporting your new beard. It's not new. Okay. But I've had this beard for yeah, how long? How many people, though, when we were emceeing the prayer breakfast a couple weeks ago, how many people said, oh, I like your beard? You hadn't been out in public. <laughs> well, I mean, you've been out here. Right. But I, I feel as if this this article you've found is a little... I, I'm just staking did, my claim. Did you Google why I'm better than men who don't have beards? <laughs> I did not, and this no. article is what no, came up. No, no. In my advanced age, I'm grabbing onto every every little sort of uh, piece that I can to lift myself up. No, okay. that's not true at all. Okay. No, it, it's a, an article that I read. Um, where? Oh. <laughs> oh, I know where I, you know where I read. You know where I read yeah. it from. What? I see the website at the top of the page. <laughs> Let me tell you. www.moms.com, which is a website that I frequent often. Looking for, you know, some some hard-hitting news sources. I'm just saying. While women it's and men either the Times, the Journal or, or moms.com. Okay? And while the, and the article says that while women and men have debated for years over whether a clean-shaven face or a bearded face is more attractive, science is currently supporting the bearded look. Oh, In the study, 36 men participated were first photographed when they were clean-shaven, then photographed again after five days, then 10 days, then again four weeks after not f- uh, shaving. Then a sample of 8,500 women were asked to rate the men based upon their attractiveness for either a short-term relationship or a long-term relationship. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, many. I don't want to delve too deeply into that. Yeah, no. what, what may surprise you, the article says, is those who uh, love who don't love facial hair, is that the heavy stubble look, the one attained after ten days of not shaving, was found the most attractive, while the full beard look was the second most attractive. Wow. The bearded look was once associated with hipsters or lumberjacks, but apparently women find beards and a full face of stubble more sexy on men. I'm just saying, this right. is mom.com. We are covering the spectrum <laughs> of news sources for your educational resources. All right, John. I mean, you know, good for you. Do, are you going to go to bed tonight thinking, yeah? You know what? I, I just kind of like having it. Um, it, it just mm-hmm. feels good to me. Was it a decision you made on your own? Was it in consultation with your wife? Did you? No, no? I just, no, just kind of thought, just oh, kind of happened. going to give it a shot here. Like, have you ever had a beard? No, but I'm starting uh, next this coming Wednesday. What? 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 Well, because of this article? No, because all of a sudden you're convinced because the NHL playoffs. Oh, um, your playoff beard. Yeah. So in two days. Two days. Wait, so, did you do that last year? No. Oh, I, I was going to say I feel like I, I would remember that. Yeah, right. Okay, so tomorrow's the last day you're going to shave. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Now this is the kind of thing that women just can't take part in. No, you no. can't. That's just not no. going to work. Like I'm just going to no. stop shaving Wednesday. Like that's just like well, you for could. you guys, it's cool. For women, it's disgusting. No, no, Ken's uh, Ken. <laughs> Who's Ken? <laughs> Ken? That's our next producer after Mike quits. <laughs> no, Kath is going to stop shaving her underarms. <laughs> yeah, that's just, what it's going to be. She's going to, you know, uh-huh. that's her pen playoff obsession. <laughs> French style. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I really don't think so, people. Very nice. Okay, somewhere down the line, we're going to have a poem. If you're looking for that. <laughs> What's up next? Yeah, we're going to talk about believers in China. All right. My dad, a hardworking, regular blue-collar guy, a Korean war vet, a Pittsburgher, a Yinzer. He married, raised a family, and gave over 20 years of his life to one company, and that company filed for bankruptcy. I watched my mom and dad struggle at a late age, and it was tough, but they made it. For almost 30 years now, I, and now Ethan, have helped all the people that God entrusted to our management, putting together retirement blueprints, personalized, customized solutions that help people retire with confidence, clarity, and independence, the way I wished it would have happened for my parents. I'm Kurt Kenotic. My company, Accurate Solutions Group, would love to help you. It's never too late. It's never too early. Just call 412-515-3555. 412-515-3555 or visit asgretire.com. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. Creation Fest 2019 is coming. Join us with your family and friends for a weekend of worship like no other. Over 70 artists like Skillet, Hillsong Worship, Crowder, Elevation Worship, Carrie Joe, 10th Avenue North, and Mendisa. As well as over 15 speakers like Bob Legs, Reggie Dabbs, and David Nasser. Part of the creation worship experience set in the beautiful mountains of central Pennsylvania. Go to creationfest.com to find out more. That's creationfest.com. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40 year legacy of producing college bound, lifelong learners. 
whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.5%, APR 4.78%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 2% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. I think it's safe to say that the Chinese government has been on a bit of a rampage lately. They have torn down major churches throughout uh, the country of China. Many, many thousands of Christians, perhaps millions of Christians, have no place to go worship. However, there is still a very strong house church presence across China. People meeting in secret in the middle of the night in small rooms praising Jesus Christ. Here to talk to us about that is our guest, um, Hannah Nation. Hannah lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts with her husband. She serves the global church through her work with China Partnership. Hannah, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Hannah, we've talked uh, over the years countless times about the church in China, and we've talked to a lot of people who are from America, a lot of people who are from the UK um, who work in China. It wasn't, I think, until December of this year uh, that we read our first statement from someone who was from one of the house churches in China. Uh, Pastor Wang Yi wrote a letter uh, in case of his arrest, and it found our way through several channels to us. Um, now, of course, you can read it online um, all over the place. But that, I think, was the first time. Maybe, John, am I right about that? That yeah, we heard is. from someone from one of, the, uh, one, of the, one of the house churches there. So from your perspective, Hannah, you wish that we could change that. Yeah, that's correct. Actually, um I and China Partnership were involved in helping get that statement out. And I think that's exactly to your point that um, it's very hard to find um, the actual voice of the house church. And in my work, I'm really trying to change that and provide help to provide a platform for the sermons and articles and just the writings of various Chinese house church house church pastors to be readable in English so that um, we in other parts of the world can access what they're saying. So Hannah, with that platform, you've produced a new book called Grace to the City, Studies in the Gospel from China Paperback. Tell us about this. This is essentially house church pastors and their sermons. How did these find their way to you so that you can put them in a book form? Yeah. um, So through my work with China Partnership, Um, I come across a lot of different sermons and a lot of different things coming out of the house church. Um, The five sermons that are in this book uh, were given at a conference, at a convention um, of different um, house church pastors, and we were able to get um, those sermons, transcribe them, and then translate them into English and turn them into the written essay format that's in the book. So they're really wonderful sermons. 
it's been really fun to see um, just even my friends and family reading them and getting text messages from people saying which one they have been blessed by the most. So, um, yeah, it's five, five, five sermons. They all um, basically are reflecting on the nature of the gospel and the beauty of God's grace in our lives. Um, they all have a little bit of a different uh, aspect of the gospel that they focus on or bring out. Um, but I think one of the really fun things about them and one of the things that really blessed me working on the book was that they they use um, you know they use a lot of cultural examples from China, which might sound hard to connect with, but actually they're really easy to connect with. And so really? it's just really beautiful to hear the gospel apply to this different context, but still be able to really resonate with it and be blessed by it. Oh, I love that so much. So what's fascinating to me, Hannah, is that, you know, as you talk about the the Chinese church and the the house church, uh, by and large, most of the pastors that that have uh, produced these sermons, they are not seminary trained, right? These are mostly self-taught or small group taught. There's really not a, a major Christian seminary that is approved by the uh, by the Chinese government. Um, well, so I I would actually say um, most of the pastors that are featured in the book are seminary trained in one way or another. Okay. Some of them. Um, attended seminary overseas and then returned to China. Um, many of them um, have been blessed through um, just personal theological study. Um, you're, there, there are government-approved seminaries, but um, without going into all of the differences between the official state-approved church and the house church, um, all of the guys in the book... Um, have not been through the state church seminaries. Um, they've all been through other other means of theological education. The new book we're talking about, Grace to the City, Studies in the Gospel from China, the author, Hannah Nation. Hannah, before you leave us, talk about your involvement with um, with Christianity in China. Um, have you, are yeah. you from Chinese descent? Um, how did you, how did this become a burden for you? Yeah, Um so I, I am not ethnically Chinese. Um, I am a, a white American. I first uh, developed a love for China when I was in college. And basically, I, I had this mo- So my dad is a professor and has had many Chinese grad students. And one of his grad students at one point became a Christian. And I remember interacting with her. Um, in the early days of college, and it just really hit me that there was this whole world <laughs> that I knew nothing about <laughs> and had really no experience with. And so I became very curious and traveled uh, for the first time to China um, midway through college to teach English. And then basically, God just used that to keep opening doors and keep involving me in ministry to Chinese in different ways. So actually lived in China for a period of time nice. and then coming back to the U.S. was involved with international student ministry in uh, first Pittsburgh and then Boston. And basically, you know, just really, really, I worked in international student ministry with Chinese for about 10 years. And through that work, really 
just developed a heart to try to start working on some of the things I'm working on today of just recognizing how much there's this church in China with just immense spiritual wisdom mm. and um, growing maturity. And it's very difficult. Uh, you know, I am not fluent in Chinese. <laughs> and so, you know, even just personally, it's very difficult, or especially at the time, was difficult to find ways to sit at the feet of my brothers and sisters in China and hear from their experiences and their knowledge of the Lord. Interesting. And so um, when this uh, opportunity opened up with China Partnership, um, it just really captivated my heart and had been five years. Let's see, I started a blog for China Partnership five years ago with uh, doing basically what I still do, do today, just um, finding different things to translate and translating it. I don't do the translations myself personally, but um, managing all of that. And then, yeah, we've the content is growing. There's so much content in China that we can start bringing to the U.S. And so this book is just the first of many projects that I'm working on. Fabulous. Well, it's really exciting, I mean, to think about uh, the sleeping giant has awoken in China and uh, what will come our way as millions and millions of new believers in Christ in the decades that uh, will ensue. That unto itself is going to be fascinating to see how the world changes. Hannah Nation is with us. She joins us from a ministry called China Partnership. Hannah, if people want to find you on the web, uh, where's a good place to start? Yeah, it's really easy. You can just search for China Partnership. It's chinapartnership.org. The book's on Amazon. Um, It's Grace to the City, Studies in the Gospel from China. And you can easily find, if you just search either one of those, you'll find it. Excellent. Hannah Nation, China Partnership. Hannah, thanks so much for your work for the kingdom. It's fascinating indeed. Take a quick break. Come back. This is National Poetry Month, so we've got a poem for the day. Uh, Stay tuned for that. At Middletown Tractor, you belong where there's an easier way to do chores. They have affordable John Deere mowers, compact and farm tractors, and Gator utility vehicles for any size property. So make your main factor Middletown Tractor. Learn more at MiddletownTractor.com. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. That's why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate it through the site within the first day. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. Try ZipRecruiter now for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. The market goes up and the market goes down. But one thing remains the same. Record low unemployment means there are still more job openings than people to fill them. And that means you have leverage. They're vying for your attention at Word FM's virtual job fair. Visit wordfm.com slash virtual for great local companies ready to offer you an employment upgrade. Isn't it time you got a raise? The virtual job fair, where many are called, but you are chosen at wordfm.com slash virtual. Oh, okay, wait. This is the, uh, the, the poem. Na- it's the National uh, Poetry Month right. theme. Uh, I, I don't particularly like this. So no, kill we'll, it. We'll just not, no, no. Okay. So we're going to 
recite the poem of the day. The poem is called Out of Work. Yeah, now I received this from my daughter, but I got to be honest, it's a beautiful poem. It's really heavy, and I think it should, it, I think it should be read by a man. Okay. The author? Kenneth Ashley. It's called Out of Work. Alone at the shut of the day was I, with a star or two in a frost-cleared sky and the buyer smell in the air. I'd tramped the length and breadth of the fen, but never a farmer wanted men, not doing anywhere. A great calm moon rose back of the mill, and I told myself it was God's will, who went hungry and who went fed. I tried to whistle. I tried to be brave. But the new plowed fields smelt dank as the grave, and I wished I were dead. Ouch. All right. That is uh, the poem of the day. Not certainly a, a pick-me-up. No, but I got to tell you, written as a man who can't find work, Ouch. I can't think of a thing that I've read that is more evocative than that. Yes. Out of work. I'm starting to like poems, people. I don't even know myself. Yeah. Well, Who am I? Poems are excellent. I know. Right? The beauty and complexity, uh, the passion of the language all condensed tightly. I highly okay. recommend it. Appreciate that. Take a uh, well. No, we're, we're not going to take a we're going to take a break for we're about twenty two hours. Okay, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> then we're going to come back at four o'clock. Four o'clock. That's right. A lot more and there's going to be another pirate game, people. Just, All right. You know, the ten o lost to the Cubs. This is the end. We just swept the Reds four in a row for the first time since nineteen sixty three. Okay, find our podcast iTunes. Yeah, iTunes and johnnycathyshow dot com. All right. Have a great night, and uh, please get out there and enjoy that spring evening. God is good. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.